Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Deadline City. We are your hosts. I'm Zoraida Cordova. And I'm Danielle Clayton. And today, where are we going, Danielle? We are going to Judge Judy's cancel court, honey. Not Judge Judy. <laughs> yes, Judge Judy. I watch Judge Judy every freaking day. I used to Honestly. when I was when I used to pretend to be sick and stay home from school. I used to fucking watch Judge Judy and Maury. It's well, I'm on tell. Oh boy, <laughs> you took it a step far, but you you went to Maury and you went to you are not the father. Uh-huh. That's, um, I am a Judge Judy Stan. I love her. I aspire to be her. No nonsense, like older lady who's playing no games and suffers no fools and has a lie detector. So, yeah, this is Judge Judy's cancel court today. We have it in, in Deadline City. Well, look, we're here. We're going to... It's, what does it mean to be canceled, Sarita? <laughs> I mean, being ca- this is this is a tricky question because I feel like we're going to get canceled because of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> is it a millennial thing? I don't know. I don't even know what generation it is. But it's, when when on the internet, like everyone decides that you ha- like you're if you're a television show, your show is now canceled. Like you are. <laughs> <laughs> you're canceled as a human person. Nobody wants to read your books. You're blacklisted. You're just like, no grass. You're out of there. You're like, out. It's so interesting to the phenomenon of um, being canceled. And it's, it's global. It's at a national level. People who... Politicians. Politicians get canceled, right? Like, so many people get canceled, right? Actors, the writers. Mm-hmm. And it becomes this whole thing where they become a stain on society or like they deserve to be deplatformed. And de- if you're a part of the Catholic Church, the homophobic Catholic Church, you would be excommunicated. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> um, and it is, it's an interesting phenomenon. And it's so interesting that if anyone is a fan of Black Mirror, there's an episode, I believe in season two, that deals with this, where one of the consequences and one of the it's an anthology show, talks about technology taken to the extremes. One of the punishments in, I forgot, I'll link in the show notes what episode it is without spoiling it. But if you get canceled in this world, you become an outline, like, you know, when the TV has the white screen and has that sort of white noise, that's okay. what you become. And that, you that static that. noise? A static noise, and you're you're a static noise shadow, and wow. someone can block you, and someone can cancel you. The government can permanently have that be your disposition forever, if you do something that results in you being canceled, and that means nobody can see you, nobody can talk to you, and you can't engage. You have been canceled from society, um, and so it's a very interesting topic to to think about because in our book publishing world, this has been happening for a while. Um, people are getting canceled for the things that they say online, um, for their books, for for their behavior. behavior. Yeah. For their behavior. Um, and for things that people say about them for charges, they, they bring forth in the court of public opinion. And so I've always, and I've had, my run-ins with people trying to cancel me, which I'm going to talk about um, on this episode. But it's a very interesting topic. And I just really, truly believe that if you come to cancel court, you better come with the right evidence. Otherwise, it's a backfire on you. You have to come with receipts. So now let's talk about how this idea of canceling that we see happening to politicians, to actors, to musicians, to high-profile people being deplatformed how is this affecting the book community? The way that it affects the book community is that something happens usually in a very public forum like Twitter. Uh, I have seen some attempts at cancellation on Instagram in the romance community. Like, unlike actors, we're not on a like national stage. We're on this like concentrated noise machine that is like the bird app right right um, the bird app. 
And so it usually starts to me, the way I see it, it's like, it starts, it starts with a drag, right? Um, where somebody says, we need to talk about X, Y, Z. And these are the things, these are the reasons this person is terrible. Uh, or somebody says something on their platform and it becomes this like perfect storm. Why everyone thinks this is wrong. Um, and then usually the subject apologizes or doesn't or doubles this down. And when the doubling down is just so, oh, the schadenfreude is like severe. Um, yep. And then they go away and we don't see the author or the, the book quietly publishes. Like, let's say that it's a book with racist themes. Uh, to be frank, I'll use the example of The Continent, um, okay. which was a book that was published by Harlequin Teen. Harlequin Teen went through a rebrand and created a, a new name called Inkyard. Tell us about the book for those of us who are young in publishing. It feels like a hundred years ago. It really does. The book was about a young, in the original draft, I'm just going to go by the original draft. It was about a young white girl who lived in this dystopian world, like utopian world, excuse me. And uh, for her birthday, she won tickets to this place called the continent. And basically like civilized people, civilized society takes like essentially a cruise, like a, a tram cruise or helicopter cruise, uh, to look at the continent. And the continent is where these two savage societies live. Um, one is coded as a native American and the other one's quoted with literal ninjas, like literal ninjas, <laughs> like wearing all black. Um, and so, uh, you put in like the, like the author put in all of these, um, all of these stereotypes about like this noble savage who like could have raped the young girl because she was like laying there all by herself, but then didn't. And then they rescue her. She goes to the other, the other, uh, savage kingdom. It's like, it was uh, full of a lot of problems and I, you know, I still have the original manuscript. I still have the original arc because I feel like it lives in time and space. It's definitely an interesting thing to hold on to as like a place we were at in publishing. Uh, what is it called? Like it's a, it's part of a library, right? Like this, this happened. I'm not saying that it shouldn't be. Yeah. It's, 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 it's part of my archive. Like I, I'm not going to say that I'm not going to pretend it didn't happen. That she's a cancer folks, so she holds everything in her little crabs um pinchers. Um, I do her tail. So it's like this is one of those things where you learn from and then you move on, right? Yeah. And so this was like the book got temporarily canceled. And so we've seen this happen where a book gets either completely canceled or temporarily canceled and then quietly gets published or not published at all. Um, whether it's with apologies, whether it's with edits, and so that's how it sort of works in the publishing industry. Um, I know that this book had, this book went through like after the fact, uh, when people called out its bad representation using quotes, right? Like evidence from the book, not just like, I made this up. I'm accusing you of something like, this is like the text was read, um, and screenshotted and analyzed and broken down. Right. Yeah, it's like here is my literary criticism of your book. Right. And and that the book needed to be worked on, right? Like and and I'm not I'm not the person to say that, but I am saying it. But like <laughs> cuz like I'm not I'm not the editor, I'm not the agent, right. right? Like was this book even for me? No, it wasn't. It wasn't written for me. So that that's an example of cancellation, right? This book got right. canceled. And then the sequel quietly was published, I think. Yeah, uh, I believe it was. Yeah. And and I've never heard from about this author again. Maybe they appeared under a new pen name, maybe maybe like, I don't know, wandering among us, uh like the ghosts of canceled past, right? Like Right. It's interesting. Um, there were several books that we can we can sort of chart this growth of being taken to cancel court. I remember when I debuted, there was a book that was canceled as not canceled as in like didn't come out canceled as in the author was held to task and the publisher and the editor for what they had in the book mm -hmm. and it was like aired out and it was called hello i love you 
And oh my God. I know. And if you ever want to read a Kirkus review that will snatch your edges and forever sort of singe your even your butthole, that is the one to read. <laughs> Not my butthole. Yes. Burn it where it's real burned. Um, because and we debuted together, and I remember watching my debut class. And if you don't want the know what the debut class is, is that in Kid Lit and Young Adult the debuts, the people who are coming out that year usually band together and they form a group where they can help support each other, boost each other, read each other's books, share information. There's often a Facebook group or like a online chat board and email groups and list threads. And my group was called the Apocalypses. Right. And mine was called the Fearless Fifteeners. And so it relates to the year that you came out and usually they're quite helpful. You find community. Um, And so it was really difficult to watch the growing pains of this book, which was literally about a, um, a white girl who goes to Korea for boarding school and she falls in love with a Korean pop star, but her observations of Korea and the people and the food and the culture is just really, really not well done. And many prominent Asian folks have spoken up about it. And it was just plainly offensive. And the Kirkus review goes into it in depth. Um, It was uh, there were some harmful depictions. And if I was an an Asian child and a Korean child reading that book, I would have been like, "Oh no!" Like, "Oh gosh!" I would be very, very upset. So that was a book in my year coming out that went to cancel court, court and got canceled. People didn't buy it, support it. The author slowly went away, and I don't think ever published again or might be publishing under a pen name, but was never active in the community again. So there's a history of this. Um, and it's getting, it's getting bigger and louder and spilling over into things that are not just books, um, that are other things like agents and editors and, uh, oh, and the way that a book, is, a book rolls out. So we can look at something like American Dirt by Janine Cummings and see that that book got brought to cancel court but because Macmillan paid so much money for it and got all of the support from people who didn't read it, some people did, some people didn't, but some of those celebrities shouting it out, it became a huge controversy. It became because, too big to cancel. Exactly. Even though it went to cancel court, and I'm pretty sure Judge Judy said it was found lacking <laughs> and found to be a problem. Um, However... And dehumanization of Latinx communities and culture. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was too big to cancel because it was given just a sort of a huge, huge, I felt like it was like an iron monster, almost like an iron train that had left the station and you couldn't slow it and you couldn't stop it. No matter how many people came out and said, this book is harmful, this book is damaging. It had already been lifted as a single narrative about the Mexican immigrant experience. People were calling it the grapes of wrath for Latinos. Like the definitive definitive word on that experience by an outsider. You're not Steinbeck. Also, you're a cultural outsider. And then it became, okay, the book is bad. Got a lot of coverage detailing how bad it was. Then you saw the rollout of the book. There were pictures on social media of barbed wire fence. You know what I mean? Flower. It was a perfect storm. It was a perfect storm because the publisher said that they, that the, no, the decoration company, it was a, a, a private party that a publisher had for the book at BEA for influencers and media people right? And reviewers Mm -hmm. and and, and scout, whatever, all this stuff, right? Like a VIP party. And that shit's expensive, right? For one, it's expensive at BEA. It's expensive to throw parties with caterers in New York. And the, if I recall, the um, company said that they, if they had known that the book was about immigration, they would not have done barbed wire and flower centerpieces. Right. It's, it's terrible. It's like, if, oh, there's a book about 
that feature slavery. Let's put shackles on the table right. with flowers out of growing out of them. Oh, it's a book about the Holocaust. Let's do barbar. Let's make sure that the waiters are in, you know what I mean? Um, jumpsuits, or, yeah. jumpsuits, right? Like Stripes. that yeah. Holocaust iconography that we know um, that I will never forget that I will always remember. Mm-hmm. Like this stuff is not funny and it's not a costume. Not cute. It's not cute. It's not a game. And so that book was taken to cancel court and it was interesting to watch um, how it was too big to cancel, but it opened up a big conversation. Um, One that has come up lately is our good friend, Dr. Seuss. (laughs) Oh, because it's, you know, it was world read day and Dr. Seuss's birthday and uh, Dr. Seuss, I think it was his birthday, Theodore Geisel. I was don't know his name. Either Thomas or Theodore. I know it's a T. I could be completely wrong. And this is terrible because I'm a children's scholar and I have a master's in children's literature, but I focus mostly on the brown kids. Anyways, Dr. Seuss, his estate said, hey, we're going to stop putting certain books into publication. Because at certain points in Dr. Seuss's life, he drew caricatures of black people and Asian people. And the black people looked like the racist iconography coming out of the Jim Crow South and the Asian people were butter yellow and had, you know, their eyes were accentuated and they looked just like just evil yellow peril esque imagery. And Mm -hmm. that Dr. Seuss had grown over time. Right. And that they were decided not to put, keep those books in, in publication In rotation In rotation. It wasn't. Yes. It's it's not, It wasn't, we're going to burn these books. We're going to like give them back. Right. We're going to erase them. Right. They're still in libraries. They're just not going to continue to print them because they're harmful. The depictions were harmful to, to groups of people. And then the right wing media really started going on about, you know, canceling people and like, you know, Dr. Seuss. Cancel Dr. Seuss. Right. And like censorship and it's like curation is not cancellation. We can curate our shelves and make better, more equitable shelves, but it's not cancellation. No one's saying never read Dr. Seuss anymore. It's saying these five books that have racist caricatures now belong to museums and libraries and classrooms to talk about and to teach, but are not out for sale anymore. And I don't understand what, and I never really speak about this on I got a lot of people requesting me to come on different, you know, radio programs and TV programs. And I declined it because every time I speak about Dr. Seuss or To Kill a Mockingbird, I get months of hate mail and rape threats and death threats. And it's wild to me that white nostalgia is violent. And it's just a reinforcement of that. And the one of the most surprising things is that the books that they listed, the six books, or I forget how many books they were going to stop publishing, were not even books that people had read. Like, it wasn't The Cat in the Hat. It wasn't Green Eggs and Ham. Right. Right. It wasn't your Lorax. Nope. Um, These were obscure titles. You don't even know them. Right. Because they were probably not put out there for a reason uh, or, or weaned for a reason. Um and so I think that we're getting, you know, every because everyone's so afraid of like, oh, everything's so PC, PC, PC. But it's like, no, we're asking you to have human decency and like refer to people and like create imagery that is not a caricature and that's not racist and not homophobic. Like, that's not PC. That's just that's just being a good person. But do it's you want to know what? Do you want to know how many books? The Cat in the Hat sold last week after the cancellation drama. Oh, God. Okay. Tell me. I have the numbers. 105,402 oh. copies, two units. Wow. Six figures in units for that one book, right? So it has one. I'm going to count for you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Out of tw- the top 25 picture books, 20, the 
20 titles by Dr. Seuss are in that top 20, that, that top. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. That it's top 25 really, from Publishers Weekly. And these are books selling like the Green Eggs and Ham sold 89,000 copies, 87,000 copies, right? Like this is 19,000 copies and more. So like. I can't handle it. I, and literally the ones that were taken uh, discontinued were ones you've never heard of. Scrambled Egg Super. On Beyond Zebra, and to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street. If I ran the zoo, the cat's quizzer, McElligot's pool. You probably never grew up reading. I've actually did not grow up with those at all. Exactly, and so it's so interesting. Um, the last time I got really bad hate mail was literally there was a story about Dr. Seuss in the mu- in, its, in the museum and a mural they were putting up on the wall. And one of the murals that they were going to put up on the wall in the Dr. Seuss Museum depicted Asian people in the way that I described earlier from one of the books. They were going to put a, the mural of that portrait up and a placard that talks about how Dr. Seuss learned not to be racist and to depict people like that. And I spoke on NPR about how it was ridiculous because why do children of color have to walk into a, a museum about Dr. Seuss and become a teachable lesson for, for other children. And that's an unfair burden to put on those kids. And they walk in, it's like supposed to be fun. We're going to see the Lorax. We're going to see the cat in the hat. We're going to see all of these things. And then you've got the yellow peril and yellow face on the wall and basically a teachable lesson and you've got Jim Crow, Jim Crow iconography. It's like, okay, kids, let's talk about bad depictions of Asian people and bad depiction of black people for everyone. And if you're the little black kid and the little Asian kid, you're like, oh no, you get the hot flash. Yes. You know that hot flash of mm-hmm. embarrassment and like, oh God, now I have to be the one that sticks out. I'm the teachable lesson. And so Dr. Seuss will never be canceled. You see those numbers. And he was taken to cancel court and he is too big to cancel. And no one even said cancel. They literally said curate. Very different. He was really taken to curation court. And so it's interesting to see how the books, the book conversation spills into that. And then we get into people, right? And people's actions and behaviors and authors. And we are human beings living online and talking about books. And we have to go to cancel court too. And it's very, very, like, super fraught um, as a situation, sort of living in an online space where you want to play around and have fun and communicate and be outraged and laugh. And there's always people watching. Right. Because you can say something as, I can say something as innocuous as, like, I love Raylo. Oh, no. Oh, no. And I mean, it happened. It happened to me with um, in Star Wars with Star the Star Wars fandom because when the um, the trailer for the Rise of Skywalker came out, uh, there was like a, a a shot, a pan shot of Rey and Kylo walking toward each other in the rain, and it reminded me of the shot from Pride and Prejudice with Kira Knightley. Um, and, and Mr. Darcy walking toward each other also in the rain and the shots were almost like they were just, they were mirrors of each other. And so I, I, I posted them together in like a little set on, on, Uh on Twitter, but I didn't write like Raylo forever. And I didn't write like anti Raylo. I, cause I've always kept my feelings about Raylo very to myself because I was always afraid of this very thing happening. And I was just like, whatever, it's been a long time. And and then I tweeted it and it got like a thousand, it's not, didn't even like, you know, like a, like a tiny blip. Right. And I had a swarm of people saying like the anti Raylos were like, star Wars author is problematic and (laughs) anti-feminist and she blah, 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 blah. And supports abuse because Kylo abused her and tormented her. And then I had the other group being like, you're making fun of Raylo. And because you make fun of Raylo, you're also anti-feminist. And I'm like, I'm not making fun of anyone. There's literally no text in this tweet. It's just 
four images together. So like people make assumptions. They like make assumptions of you because of the internet. And I was like, I, it didn't, I muted it and it didn't bother me. But like, I did get a couple of emails being like, you're, you hate feminism, you know, like stuff like that. Um, but yeah. it's just wild to me. It's just, oh my God. The, I, know. It, <laughs> I won't even mention Raylo online because I got a dust up because another Star Wars, another Star Wars author was talking about Raylo or talking about Kylo not being scary and about the character. And I chimed in on the thread saying basically like, I wasn't scared of him. Right. Very simple. Oh boy. I got called all kinds of names, an abuser because he's been abused. Yeah. Cause yeah. Cause Han, Han Solo abused. Okay. Sure. 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 Right. And that I am awful because he's child abuser victim. And like, I don't care about victims and blah, blah, blah. It went hilarious. on for weeks to where all of the authors that were involved, it was me, Alexander Bracken, Susan Dennard, somebody here. We were all like, yo, you know what? If I, if I search for that, I, the screenshots pop up. Like that doesn't go away. And that's the thing that's scary about stuff like this, right? Like, holy shit. You know, I, I think a lot of authors get really afraid during this stage because they're like, oh my God, I'm so afraid. I'm so afraid. I'm like, yeah, but like, you really can't control it. Like some, I can tweet like, um, I love writing every day. And somebody could say, well, you are toxic because writing every day is bad for people with anxiety. Right. And I'm like, okay, I didn't tell you that you have <laughs> to write right. every day. I, you know, so it's, 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 it's those things. Or I could say like, I love bread. Oh my God. Zoraida Cordova is anti-vegetables. <laughs> right. Like, yes. And it spirals. Or you can do what happened to me where... I responded on a thread with some other friends to Sarah Dessen, right. who was outraged about a college student actively trying to get her book off of a syllabus and had cropped a photo and felt slighted. I can respond in a way that was like not nice um, on it on her on her feed, and then get get called all kinds of things an abuser, a bully, all of these things when I didn't even, maybe I probably should have researched beforehand, but we were on her feed just talking shit. And for months, even it just kept resurfacing, resurfacing. I called someone a bitch. I called somebody this. I called somebody that. They were ju- they were petitioning for a black book to be on the syllabus and not Sarah Dessen. We didn't know any of that when we went into there. We had no idea. We were just talking shit. And I learned a lesson about having fun online with your friends. People are watching and people are judging and people are making, you know what I mean? Their conclusions about that and the way that you speak and the way that you interact and all of that to where people were, you know, taking me to cancel court saying I need to be canceled for calling someone a bitch that I wasn't a feminist. Um, then saying that this person was native and then saying this person was black and then saying this person was this and that. And I'm like, this person is a white lady. And, and it didn't matter because it spiraled out of control and it was a lot, but I learned a lot of things about going to cancel court. And I see on the timeline, there are a lot of agents that have been taken to cancel court and a lot of, you know what I mean? Other authors who've been taken to cancel court. Uh, and it's interesting to watch people. It doesn't seem to matter what you say. The person who tells the story first gets to control it. Right. Um, who sets the narrative in motion gets to control it. And there's a swarming that happens. And there's a demanding of an apology that happens. And there's all of these things. That and then there's the deconstruction of the apology. Like, this is mm-hmm. not good enough. Because right. I, I, I'm sorry, but I don't think that... Uh, I just apologize. Um, I don't think that people know how to apologize because we're always going to couch our own feelings first. Um, and yeah, like I don't also think you can actually effectively apologize online. No um, things as individuals. I think you can 
the best we can hope for is because nuance is lost and you don't hear anyone's voice and you don't see their face. You see the notes app, right? And you see the long paragraph of the notes app screenshot. Um, and I think it's a social media is a dehuman platform. So you see what someone wants you to see. So I just don't think anything will be good enough um, in terms of apologies. But I do believe in them. I do believe that you should attempt to. Right. Um, and I think what happens is that it spirals out of control and then you've got the war of the screenshots and then you've got the swarming and the harassing and the tweeting at someone consistently and constantly. I had one person say that they were going to torture me for the rest of my life for calling another woman a bitch and that they would, I would have no peace, right? Sending me all kinds of hate mail, text, uh, tweeting at me all day long, swarming my photos, swarming everything because they wanted to be heard and they were mad that I called someone a bitch. And so it's a very interesting thing to sort of watch happen. And it doesn't matter what you did before. It doesn't matter even what evidence is really presented because the evidence can be presented in any way to serve a point in cancel court. Right. To serve a narrative or to, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and even when you, you really figure out like, oh, this person has no evidence. They're just popping off at the mouth or they've created a narrative. They're able to spin if you, use, if you use the language of justice and of social justice to prove a point, feminism, ableism, racism, transphobia, inequitability, right? If you couch your, you know what I mean, your, what you're sort of lobbing in that language, people don't even think to deconstruct what you're actually accusing someone of. And it's very interesting to watch that play out online. So then I wonder what, what is our role as authors when it comes to this book is problematic. I'm going to, I'm going to champion the cancellation or, uh, this person's problematic. I'm going to out like, what is, what is our responsibility as authors? Right. Do you think that like, I don't have an answer. I don't have an answer for that either because I, I, you know, I, I wrote, I wrote a, an essay about like the continent, but mm -hmm. I've never there, I've read other books that I'm like, this is also like, these, this has some problematic things, but I'm not, I'm not going to advocate for it being like removed from shelves and like whatever, because it's just like, okay, somebody can make their own decision. Whereas like something is intrinsically, uh, actively harmful. And can still be changed, right? That was the thing. It was still an arc form. It could still be changed. Right. Um, and, for, and for me, I'm watching the types of books publishers put out. I'm watching the types of books editors buy. I'm watching the types of books that publicists and marketing people give the million-dollar marketing plan to and, and prop up, right? I'm watching tokenism. And I'm really here to critique industry. And I'm really here to focus on the industry. Books are you know, symptoms and, and derive from it. But I've always tried to focus on the, the bigger machine and books. Um, I'm, you know, I'm open and honest about books that I think are problems, but mm -hmm. I don't take them to cancel court in the same yeah. way. I might make fun of them and make fun of the publisher and the editor who thought it was a good idea. Right. But, um, and I think it's personal. I think that there are people that really feel the need to, to always say something and that's their truth. I think that becomes a simple, like, you know, for me, it becomes a slippery slope because that burden without continual education about a topic is hard to reinforce. Um, mm -hmm. I think that like, like if a white person reads a book about a culture that's not theirs. And they're like, oh, oh, you used skin color to use food to describe skin color. This is bad. Canceled. That happened to me, bro. <laughs> that happened to me, bro. Like literally one of my first reviews of the bells was someone saying that I used food to describe bodies and skin color. Um, and that 
Um, right. Your book is about consumption, of course. Right. And literally used one of my sisters against me, Angie Thomas, by saying like, and Angie Thomas is the hate you give. She comments on like, don't use, don't use this, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I literally used connected bodies and food as a metaphor and a motif for consumption. Right. So your intentionality didn't matter because- no, taken and out I of context. Exactly, it was complete, yeah. and I didn't do the things that made this rule exist. It's because whenever people of color showed up in books by white people, they used food to describe them—coffee and mahogany, right—all the time. And that was the problem because it became stale and cliche. And often, those objects were things that were used to trade for black and brown bodies. So, yeah. It is a stale thing to do, but if you read my book, I'm using macaroons and pralines and syrup and sugar and, you know what I mean? And like literal pastries. Right. You're using something very specific. And right. it's it's interesting because like you, that's the thing, like that's that anyone who, who like somebody who would critiquing that book, they're trying to do a good job, right? They're trying to be a good ally, but in being a good ally, they're harming another black woman. Because they're, they're talking about something that they don't, they're not reading with context and reading without context can also be dangerous. Like I've seen, I've seen people like, like took a specific detail that happened to a single character. And there are several reasons in the text supported in the text of why this character has to have this thing. And then used it as a the the reader used it as a generalization to say this author is anti these kinds of people because this one character does this one thing that is, uh, you know that is not even like a harmful. It, it it just like when I watch things like that, I get so upset because I'm like, you didn't. You're did you read the did you read the book? But then I'm in, but then I can also be accused of invalidating somebody's own personal read. Right. Right. It's, it's all frustrating because we all come at reading from a complete, from different vantage points. We all have different training. We have different educational backgrounds. I remember discussing Lolita by Vladimir Novikov in, in college. And I'm glad that that discussion is not on a recording or on Twitter because we were given like, okay, so some of you support why this is like one of the greatest novels. Some of you support why like was Lolita asking for it? You know what I mean? Like it. And so people had to, you can take anything and justify your argument by pulling a couple of lines. Absolutely. You can, you really can, you can isolate and do a micro read that supports your conclusions about something and you can take it to cancel court. And it's just, it's just interesting to watch. And at some point, someone's going to want to cancel me for something in my books. Um, something that I've decided and purposefully put in there, um, that I want discussed. I have a book coming out next year, um, with Sona Cherapatra, my writing partner, um, called the rumor game. And it follows three girls and the destructive path of a rumor. Um, and it's also about a girl. One of the girls has lost a bunch of weight and she's done that. She's, she's Indian and has cultural sort of pressures on her to do that. And it's going to be an interesting conversation because I know that the Y community doesn't like books about weight, about weight loss, about any of weight fluctuation, um, there is a, you know what I mean, a real conversation to be had about it. And because there needs to be more fat characters who love themselves in books and where it's not an issue. But for this particular book, we wanted to talk about, again, I'm always talking about bodies. It's because I've always felt uncomfortable. And we wanted to talk about how weight is talked about and dealt with in communities of color and also talk about high school and how it becomes a pressure cooker and how people literally treat you differently based on before and after. And it's going to be controversial because people, especially I find that white women dominate a discussion about bodies 
about weight, about exercise, about nutrition, about food. It's, it's dominated by white culture. And so when you insert brown kids who also have opinions and feelings about their bodies and about weight loss culture and who don't agree, mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to have white women especially read this book and be frustrated that a character's mother has forced a character to lose weight. And the how that character then goes on a journey of both self-discovery, of loving themselves, but also experiences a lot of pain because the new body that they now have is now a target and is treated in a very particular way. It's going to be interesting to see. People might want to cancel me because I wrote about weight in general and that maybe we shouldn't write about weight. I feel like there are certain topics that people don't want you to write about. And right. wait, but I also think that if you don't, like, you can also just not read those books. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I think, I think that there's point. a difference between like, I don't like this thing. Therefore, no one should like it at all. But that happens all the time. Z. Right. It's like- and then it's like, or versus like, this is actively a harmful thing that no one, like no one should consume. I think that like, we take, we take the idea that like, if I say a book is bad, you should take my word for it and not read it. And I don't think that that's, I don't think that that's literary discussion. I think that like, we can, we can exit conversations a hundred percent. Like there are books by like about Latinidad and like by, by, by that I think is like bad representation. I'm not going to read those books. I'm not going to support those books. I'm, I'm going to concentrate on the books doing the best job, the, you know, doing the work and uplift those books and try to help other voices, right? I'm not going to concentrate on like this other negative thing. Right. And I, you know, I truly believe that we can make, we can make choices, like you said, and there will be content warnings in my book uh, for the first time, because for my debut, Tiny Pretty Things, we weren't allowed to put them in. So that you know going in that this new book is going to discuss racism, homophobia, weight loss, weight issues, body dysmorphia, right? Like you know going in so you can, you can choose what you want. Right. Um, and obviously like we're not talking about like still wanting to read a book by an author who is like a physical abuser or harasser, you know, things like that. Like that's not what we're talking about. Um, so like before anyone yeah. tries to cancel us and being like, you support Kylo Ren. <laughs> right. Taking us to cancel court. I mean, and it's okay that but if these someone- are discussions that we need to have as, as authors and as people who create content, right? Exactly. Because I, I don't know what's right. I, what if, what if it happens to like my friend? What if it happens to like me? Like, I don't, I, 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 it's just a very tricky situation to navigate um, because at the end of the day, like, are we just authors? Where does the line end? Are we, are we allowed to be human and make mistakes and learn? Authors are not publicity experts. I think that there should be a one-on-one author class. Well, let's, let's do that. Let's, let's give some author 101 when it comes to avoiding getting your ass taken to cancel court, right? Here are some ways to stay out of cancel court. Don't be a racist. (laughs) Don't be a racist, a homophobe, an ableist, you know what I mean? Like all transphobic, like get your life. Right. Don't touch people inappropriately who don't want to be touched. Exactly. Like that should go without saying. Yeah. In general, don't be a harasser. Don't be a terrible person. But here are some things when you're using and engaging with social media that might help you get at, like, not land in cancel court. And these are some things that I've learned myself. Like, don't, um, don't engage unless you know what someone's talking about. Right? Yes. I made a mistake. I walked straight into the trap. Mm-hmm. I've done that too. I, I'm like, oh, I have zero contacts, a thread that is like 20 tweets deep. And I'm like, started arguing something that I don't, I didn't even like have all the facts about. And I was wrong and, you know, deleted it. Um, but yeah, 
just, we just want to bulldog in, right? Take a breath mm-hmm. um, before you respond to a Goodreads review. It's not for you. Um, uh, there was a really excellent tweet um, by a native blogger that I saw, and I, I can't remember the exact wording, but it was like, publishing is a corporation. Um, we're the content creators. Bloggers and consumers are sort of like, there are, there are taste, taste testers. And so like, when you go to your taste tester, like if somebody's sampling like cheese whiz, this is not the blogger, right? Like, and you're like, um, you're, you know, (laughs) you're wrong for hating cheese whiz. You have zero taste buds, right? Like you don't do that to your taste tester. Right. You just, just all right, great. Cheese whiz is not for you. Exactly. Move on to the next taste tester. Yeah. I hate it. I hate it. (laughs) But it's okay. Also, get a, get a group chat. Put all that shit in the group chat offline. (laughs) Okay. I have so many group chats now where they're my petty chats. That's where I put it. I see stuff online. I go to the group chat to talk about it. I don't talk about anything online anymore. I don't react nothing. I'm on there to kiki, laugh, and maybe tell jokes about the devil. That's it. That's, that's what I'm doing. My Um, husband, all hail. You said, don't answer bad reviews. Don't answer reviews. Just don't answer them. It's fine. Reviews are for, for readers. They're not for you. I think people want to, because nobody knows how to interact. Oh, should I do this? Should I do that? This one author doesn't like it when I do this. This author loves it when I talk to them. It, it's a personal thing. Like I love interacting with people who interact with me, but I'm also like an extreme extrovert. And, but I'm, if somebody says something like, like you're a dumb bitch, I'm not going to fight them. I'm just going to block them. The right. block button is your friend. It is. And you're allowed to use it. You're allowed to have boundaries. Um, I think boundaries for, me, for sure. For me, I just don't answer reviews. I don't, I think that it's a slippery slope. Um, and sometimes I don't even see them, but people do tag me in bad reviews all the time. I don't think it's widespread that it's like not that nice to do so. So I just keep going because I know who I'm writing for. Um, I see them in my line when there were lines, when we had festivals and I saw all of my little readers. Like I know who my people are. Every book has its reader. You need one reader that, and that's it. And so I focus on that. Um, don't feed the trolls. Like you said, just don't fight back. It's a waste of your time. You have books to write. Don't feed them. I used to fight with them all the time. And I'm like, oh, these are bots. They came here looking for a fight. Mm-hmm. The worst thing you can do, I mean, the best thing you can do and the worst thing for them is when they get no response. They just go away because they're looking for a fight. They're yeah. I don't, I actually stop blocking people. I just meet them. Yep. Just hear no evil, see no evil. Exactly. Um, I've started to also, I don't quote retreat on Twitter. If we're talking about Twitter, I just don't, I just, if I'm going to respond, I respond unless, you know what I mean? Someone is being really nasty to me and I want to, um, and I'm feeling froggy on a day, but usually I don't do that. Right. Um, like I, I, oh my God, I don't, I think that as authors, we forget that we have a platform, even if you, even if nobody knows who you are yet, I think that, um, there's a power imbalance in quote retweeting somebody. And I, I've learned that now, but I didn't know that before because I just didn't think, I just don't think that authors have power. We're just people who write books and publish them. And yeah, our words matter in the context of people reading them and wide audiences reading them. But like, we have zero influential power in the industry itself, right? I can't tell somebody, I can't tell Kirkus what to review. I can't tell an agent what books to buy. Like in that sense, we're not powerful, but the optics of me quote retweeting like a person with 12 followers in front of my followers so that everyone could be like, oh, you're being mean to Zoraida. That's a, a, a gross misuse of my power in that mm-hmm. sense. And it's something we have to learn. It's something you learn as you navigate online spaces. Um, 
I think I've also started to assume that I don't know who people are online. I don't know if someone's a teen or an adult and that, and that means that I act accordingly. Yeah. And some people want to fight, like they'll, they'll fight with you and then change their profiles to like, all of a sudden I'm a teenager and you're like, well, there's nothing in, there's nothing in your profile that says you're a teenager or a person of color, but like now you want to do that because like we're, so just don't fight with people because you never know who's like, who is a teen and who isn't. And just assume that like, I'm, you don't follow me. We don't have any followers in common. You just here to fight. Like goodbye. Mute. Mute. You have way more important things to do. So, um, like talk to you. Yes. (laughs) And, and I think we are navigating a strange time, especially with everyone being a lot of people being home because of coronavirus. Everyone's tight. Everyone's tight. Everyone's on edge that the online space, everything feels like a a grenade has gone off. Um, and that, and then you end up in cancel court. And I think, you know, just be careful in these streets. And if you're going to take somebody to cancel court, you better have the receipts and and speak clearly and say what you mean and mean what you say, because you will be screenshotted and it will travel. Mm -hmm. And the worst thing to do to someone, you know, is to try to create a narrative about them that isn't true. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you can't take that back. Mm -mm. And it will follow you. And I I just believe that when you do that, it comes back to you. Yeah. So stay out of Miss Judge Judy's cancel court, honey. And yeah. There we go. Yeah. Thanks for visiting cancel court. This court is adjourned. All right, that's it for this week's episode of Deadline City. Thank you so, so much for listening to us. Our goal is to demystify the publishing and writing process and count on listeners like you for your support. So don't forget to review, comment, subscribe, and chat with us on our Twitter and Instagram Deadline City accounts. If you like what you hear, buy us a coffee on Ko-fi or join our Patreon community. So see you next week. And for now, right on. Deadline City is part of the Frolic Podcasts Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts.